Welcome to r slash malicious compliance, where OP's neighbor falls through her ceiling. Our next Reddit post is from the Angry Arcanist. I just moved into an apartment with a roommate last summer. The biggest reasons why we got this apartment was because it was freshly renovated and soundproof. This one is important, and you'll see why. When we moved in, we were very careful not to bother anyone because we wanted to quickly have a good relationship with our neighbors. And we can safely say that that worked. What we didn't know, however, is that there were only three renters when we first came in. Us on our floor, another family upstairs to the opposite, and another one on the third floor with one empty apartment between us. It turns out that the soundproof statement was accurate, but only in blocking outside noises when you're inside. When our upstairs neighbor moved in, it was a freaking nightmare. They made sounds from 5am to past midnight for 5 days in a row, dropping stuff, speaking loudly, yelling, and walking in their apartment with shoes on. Out of frustration on the 5th day, I walked upstairs to meet my neighbor at midnight. I asked them to please quiet down for the night. I had work in the morning, and I can't be kept up all night. I understand they were freshly moved in, and they might have had a tight schedule, but midnight was too late to be moving stuff. He didn't reply and just closed the door on me. I went downstairs, and the sound started over again. I notified my landlord, and he told me that he'd handle it and apologize for the situation, explaining to me that my neighbor was just moving in, and he probably didn't understand what I was saying because of a language barrier. The neighbors were extremely loud. I know that a lot of Karens will use that as an excuse to shower their neighbors with hate, but when I say loud, I mean it. There was no stop to their loud noises. It seemed like they couldn't be bothered to hold something without dropping it, or jumping up and down on the floor, or purposefully banging the bed frame against the wall while passionately hugging. I recorded each event by installing microphones in my home computer, which recorded every time a strong vibration was detected in the house. There were over 98 events on Monday alone. I was livid. I sent this information to my landlord and explained that this can't continue. First, the apartment was poorly soundproofed, which meant that we were hearing every sound all the time. Second, we notified the neighbors about the situation and they ignored it. The landlord answered with, Stop complaining about your neighbors already. I have other things to do. I answered, Understood, sir. Please be advised this will be my last communication and action to help you in that regard. You know when I mentioned loud bangs? It turns out that our upstairs neighbor was doing bench press lifting in his living room, and the heavy thuds that I kept hearing was him dropping his weights on the ground. I had warned my roommate about removing anything she didn't want broken from the living room. And lo and behold, four days later, the first crack appeared. Then another. The floor was giving up. The ceiling was getting ready to collapse. I moved the couch out of the way and moved the TV and consoles to the bedroom. Fast forward to three days ago, after another loud series of loud bangs, I heard a crack, followed by an Oh, fuck! Followed by very loud noises. I went to my living room to see my neighbor on the ground with several actually gruesome injuries due to the fact that he just went through the floor and brought his bench and weight rack with him. I called an ambulance and the cops. The police asked me if I reported the issue with my landlord, which I confirmed due to my communication made via email. I sent everything, and I'm now, of course, filing to break my lease due to uninhabitable dwelling. The landlord came in yesterday and exploded! 
He told me that I should have made him aware that my neighbor was doing dangerous things, to which I answered that I had notified him about the very loud sounds and he never investigated, and that he also ordered me to stop complaining about my neighbors. It wasn't my responsibility to go out of my way to protect his assets if he's unwilling to cooperate with me. My neighbors, roommate and I are now residing in a hotel until we can find a new place to live. We are also thinking about adding salt to the wound by filing criminal negligence charges against both the landlord and the neighbor. After all, had I not caught on to what was happening, or, God forbid, either one of us was under the ceiling, who knows what could have happened. Then, OP posted an update. My brother has agreed to take the case on and look at the options. We're not feeling very vindictive, and our insurance are going to cover most of our costs, so we might file for negligence. I'm not a lawyer myself, so I don't understand the exact terminology, but basically the landlord should have had his building inspected before renting, which apparently wasn't done. In exchange for not pressing charges, the landlord has agreed to reimburse all the money that we spent on rent, as well as our stay at the hotel, and a little extra as an apology. So, OP, like, on the one hand, I'm glad that the landlord and your obnoxious neighbor got a little bit of justice coming their way, but at the same time, oh my god, this guy fell through a ceiling, landed on the ground, and then his weight rack fell through the hole in the ceiling and landed on him? That sounds like something out of Final Destination. OP didn't describe the injuries, but if a weight rack fell on someone from one story up, I would just assume that person is dead, like dead dead. Beneath that, we have this story from Chu Chief. Reminds me of the last apartment I was ever in. I lived on the ground floor, and I had new neighbors move in while I was at work one day. Fast forward a week, and I was being woken up at 2am due to loud music and parties. I knock on the door the next day, and I ask the groggy-eyed man to please keep it down during the night and early morning hours. He says sure and closes the door. The same night, I get woken up to pounding on my bedroom wall, the one that I shared with his apartment, a bunch of laughs, more loud music, and more laughs. I'm prior military, and knowing how to screw with people is a course that we have to take, so game on, motherfucker. You see, due to his loud discussions, I knew that he worked and partied at night and slept during the day, so there was no one to bother him while he slept. I opened a Best Buy credit card. I bought the single most expensive surround sound system I could with the card limits. I made a 10-hour-long playlist of I'm a Barbie Girl. I faced all the speakers and subwoofers towards his wall. I took off a week's worth of vacation from work and cranked up the volume. Of course, I did this during the day when no one else was home, except for him, of course. It took all of one day before he came pounding on my door threatening to call management. I laughed and closed the door. Two days later, and he came knocking again. He asked me to stop because he hadn't slept any and it was affecting his job. We had a nice discussion about respecting others, and afterwards I turned off the music, for good. Some idiots only ever learn the hard way. I still have the surround sound system. Our next Reddit post is from Bouncy Phone. I recently went to a theme park that allows guests to buy access to shorter lines. So many people do this because the regular lines move incredibly slowly because they keep letting in people from the paid line. After an hour in a line that moved only a few steps every five minutes or so, it was hard to be patient watching the employees let literally ten times as many people go in from the short line. 
When asked, the employees said that they don't count people, only parties, and that they're trained to let in one party from the regular line for every four parties from the fast line. This is what we were told, but it was obvious from an hour of watching this that this is not what was taking place. Counting 60 people being let in from the paid line at once, it was easy to see they were letting in more than four parties at a time. Well, why can't I just say that my party is 100 people then? So we started making friends with the people in line behind us, and we grew our party to about 20 people. When the guy asked how many people was in our party, he was a little confused, and I'm not sure he believed us, but he let us all in together. It was only a minor victory, but we saved a few people an extra 15 minutes in line, and it felt good sticking it to the mouse. Our next Reddit post is from Controlled. I deliver bulk water to people who don't have access to city water or their own private well. For nearly all customers, it's a simple process. Either they call for deliveries or they've agreed to automatic deliveries. When I show up, I hook the truck up to the fill pipe and start pumping. And I either listen to the vent or I hook up to the installed alarm system so I know when the holding tank is full. This particular customer had their holding tank installed in a small utility room next to their living room and didn't install a vent to the outside. And they also refused to allow us to install an alarm because they didn't want us to put the one quarter inch hole in the wall to run the alarm wire. The solution? They call when they need 2,000 gallons of water, and we show up and pump exactly 2,000 gallons of water. This procedure worked without flaw for over a decade. Literally hundreds of deliveries with no issue. Cue the owner deciding to sell. We're contacted by the new owners and set them up as a new account and head over for our first delivery and meeting. We make sure to go over the issue with us being completely unable to tell when the tank is full. We offered to install the alarm again for free, but they declined. So we let them know that when they call for water, they have to make sure that they have enough room in the tank for 2,000 gallons, or to let us know how much water they have room for. We went over this issue several times, and they laughed, saying they understood, and they would call us when they were below the 2,000 gallon mark. Two weeks go by and we receive a message on our answering machine from the new customer, no gallon amount specified. This set off a warning bell in my head, though, because it was a household of two. And it's only been two weeks since we last filled them up. This is highly abnormal. We expected more like five weeks. So we call back just to double check. No answer, so we leave a message asking for confirmation. A couple of hours later, we try again. By the next day, we had left four messages asking to confirm that they were ready for a full load. No reply. Well, they did the call, so my boss sends me out. I knock on the door as a last attempt, but no answer. So, I hook up, start the pump, and set the timer so I don't overpump while I'm reading my book. 15 minutes later, I hop out to check the water meter. 1,700 gallons. I'll watch for the next couple of minutes and shut it down. That's when I hear the front door burst open and the woman who had bought the house and called us yesterday screaming to shut the water down. She's screaming that there's water everywhere, and what the hell are we doing? This woman had been ignoring our calls, and even ignored me knocking on her door, and now she's screaming at me. Apparently, she had called when the tank was half full, instead of down below the mark showing where 2,000 gallons is. Then, she just disregarded all of our messages, and didn't feel like talking to me when I knocked. So, now, she has 700 gallons of water in her living room. My boss was called out so she could scream at him. Her husband came home from work so that he could also scream at us, for some reason, I guess. They made a bunch of demands about how we were going to pay to fix it, but nope. 
my boss laid out how he saw the situation. You guys can keep the water, free of charge. Just don't call us for water anymore. You guys are too stupid to work with. We never heard from them again. Lol, broken hearts. I have to wonder if this was a basic math problem. So let's suppose the tank could hold 3,000 gallons. And then they checked it and they saw the tank said 2,000, meaning it could only hold the 1,000 up to 3,000. But they're like, oh, 2,000. That's the number that they mentioned earlier, so I have to call them in. Then they come in, pump the 1,000 into the tank, and then the extra 1,000 spills over into their living room. Whoops. So, yeah, if that happened, that's kind of like an understandable mistake to make. But still, they totally had it coming. It's crazy to think that they could have avoided destroying their house if they had just answered the phone or went to the door when OP knocked. But nope. Down in the comments, we have this post from Severe Dish. A new employee on his first day on the job hooked the fill hose up to the dryer vent. Then he pumped all the water straight into my friend's house instead of my water tank. This was his first and last day on the job ever. Our next Reddit post is from Chozimba. This act of malicious compliance took place a few years ago. I was in a role that required constant travel between offices, so I was provided a car. One day, my manager told me that I was going to be working in a single location for an extended period of time, and therefore, I had to give up the car. This wasn't my home office, so I'd be reimbursed for travel costs, and crucially, any time spent traveling over the normal commute going to my home office would be considered time spent at work. Hey, no problem. I was happy with this, so I asked my boss for a parking spot for my own car because spaces were limited. There were no other parking spaces nearby, and more importantly, there were no public transportation links between my home and office location, so it would take a long while to get in. Sorry, OP, no can do. Just take the train. We'll get you the tickets. Okie dokie, boss, if you're sure. So, making sure that I took my book and headphones, I took the train as instructed. Three separate trains later, and I arrive into the office just before lunch. My boss was horrified, but he couldn't say anything when I showed the route that I'd taken. His face was hilarious when I told him that I would have to leave shortly because I had to start my journey home. I was paid for nearly a full working day on the train reading my book, and my boss couldn't do anything about it. Needless to say, I got the car back the next day, and a parking space to go along with it. Our next Reddit post is from Juicy Butt Farts. So, I need to preface this by saying that this happened a long time ago, like back when cell phone plans had minutes. I was working as a contractor in a hospital for a medical supply company. I was in a team lead kind of role in a small department, supervising about 20 people total. Part of my job description was to carry around a department cell phone at all times, even though I was an hourly employee. Kind of a bogus deal, but whatever. Employees would call me whenever, 24-7 for troubleshooting or if they were calling in sick. I never got paid for these phone calls, but to me at the time, it wasn't a big deal. This particular area was also in the mountains, and I didn't always get the greatest reception with my T-Mobile phone. I got great reception with my work phone, so every once in a while I'd use it for personal use. After about a year of this, I get an email from my boss's boss's secretary asking me to pay for each of the calls I made. I said, sure, send me the phone records. After that, I went through the phone records over the past year and saw that I'd used it maybe 10% of the time for personal calls. After adding everything up, I emailed her back. I said, I added everything up, and turns out I owe you guys X amount of dollars for my personal calls. 
technically, I'm an hourly employee, so I should be getting overtime each time I pick up the phone for work purposes. Will we just subtract the difference for all those hours owed? I never heard back. I didn't push it, and they didn't either. OP, you got your boss to literally send you evidence that they owed you money, and you let them off the hook? Why? My next email would have been sending them an invoice. That was our slash malicious compliance, and if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast, because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.